Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Why the Cast, man. A Why podcast. the cast, man? Why the cast, man? Still Why surprising the cast? me every gotcha. time. Keeping it fresh here on this Why the Last Man podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And we are going to be talking about episode five, Manhunt, spelled with two N's. Ooh, we're we're gotcha. talking about Allison, man. It's a pun. That's a, a consonant joke. Yes, it sure is. Now, if you haven't watched the latest episode of Why the Last Man on FX on Hulu, go do that, because we're going to jump into spoilers. But broad overview on the 355 and Yorick side of things, they finally managed to track down Dr. Allison Mann, the rogue scientist who hopefully is going to help them figure out why Yorick and Ampersand are still alive after a plague that has killed off pretty much everybody else with a Y chromosome. By the end of the episode, they have agreed to go with Allison Mann all the way to San Francisco by foot to get to a lab there where she does human cloning. And along the way, we find out a little bit more about what's going on with 355 and the Culper Ring, or at least what her goal in this whole mission is, as well as getting Yorick and Allison having a drunk bonding session, which is always nah. fun. Yeah. And on the other side of things, we check back in with Jennifer Brown and what is going on in Washington. Specifically, did I get this wrong? This is not the vice president. It's a secretary who's coming back? I believe so, yes. Okay. So the actual president of the United States comes back into town, spars with Jennifer Brown. She's having some panic attacks here, but they've formed a coalition to hopefully shut down this new conservative heir to the presidency who has been missing the entire time since the plague happened. So we're just at the beginning of that particular storyline, but there's a lot of interesting thing, I think, to talk about there. And meanwhile, Hero and Sam are off the board this episode, where Jennifer was off the board last episode. So we're very much focused on these two storylines. I'd like that switchback, though. Mm -hmm. I think it's nice to jump back and forth, let everything boil a little bit. Because I do think what they did here with the the, um, the Diane Lane, Jennifer Brown stuff, is stuff happened while we were away from them. We were coming back and having to catch up, which I, I think is a nice way to do it. Actually. It's We've talked about this before, but even though the show is being released weekly, it very much has a streaming series, all episodes dropping at once feel to it. And I think that points to that as well. Normally, you wouldn't do that. With a weekly broadcast show, you check in with every storyline every week for the most part. But here, my guess is they expect people, they, first of all, they probably expect the audience to grow over the course of the run of the series. But I think they also expect... All people expect, dream of that. Hopefully. Yeah. In, including me. I think FX wants it to be an enormous hit is probably uh-huh. what their goal is. Let's check the uh, press release. Because a lot of times <laughs> the show will be like... We're just trying to tank this one, dogs. Don't watch it. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think they expect, because it's on Hulu and it's not specifically being broadcast on FX, that people are going to check back in on this at the end. They're going to wait until there are 10 episodes there and then go, oh, binge it all at once. And that's very much what this pace for this episode feels like. That said, 
I personally, who have been very hesitant slash negative on the yeah. show, I'm starting to feel a little bit of a turning point here. Things, okay. I, I am. I think, now, I, you know. This, we have is, to, this is why the cast, man. Why this the is cast, why. Man, yes. But I do think we're finally getting to those elements that I've been missing. We've had them peppered in a little bit over the past couple of episodes, but the political intrigue stuff, I do think is actually really interesting this episode and it gets to some real friction there. The stuff with three, five of in York that we've been talking about that really started to spark up the last episode when we saw more of a repartee between them is really working here. And Allison, I think, Add something very needed to the mix. Yes. Um, so I, I liked it. I like this episode. But you've been on board since the beginning. I've been on board from the jump. Um, and I agree with you, though. Having um, Dr. Mann be part of sort of our main traveling group, I think, is great. She brings some nice energy. She seems to, as opposed to 355, who is inherently lying constantly, uh, Dr. Mann seems to be just dropping truths, which she, she believes all the time. Uh, like, and that's a nice sort of thing for Yorick to see on both sides. So he's stuck in the middle of being like, you're lying. You're telling the truth all the time. What do we actually do? (laughs) Since he is the driver, no matter what, he's not a great decision maker, but because of who he is, the last man, he's always the one who is getting them in and out of trouble. So something that we haven't really talked about with the original comic is, And I don't know if Brian K. Vaughn ever came out and said this, but it always felt like the initial concept was, oh, man, wouldn't it be great to be the last man on Earth? That would be awesome. You could have whatever you want. Wouldn't that be so cool? And instead, it becomes the worst case scenario across the board for Yorick. And I do think that's at least partially what we're seeing here is a guy who – is having a terrible time all the time, and everybody kind of hates him. And 355 is sort of understanding him, but certainly is, like, not taking any of his jokes. Allison doesn't really like him, but I think kind of starts to starts to understand him, but she's dealing with her own trauma here. Uh, and uh, this was such an essential part of the comic that, again, I feel like we're finally getting to here. This is finally rolling in a really significant way. Well, I think we're seeing... Um Yorick come to grips with the fact that like what he wants doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Like uh, him going after uh, Beth was like his driving, uh, his reason for being for the first couple episodes. And now he's realizing, oh shit, I, I can't really do that. Um, and I think he'll still try, but he's being, he now is starting to realize he has a larger purpose here and is being driven by 355 and now uh, Dr. Man a little bit and has to react to that. And then on the other side, you got Dr. Mann sort of educating him. And I think she likes that she gets to be like, here's what I think. And he's like, I like hearing you talk. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a basis of a lot of relationships in uh, in my life, for sure. And then uh, <laughs> with 355, I think she actually doesn't really like him yet. But I think she's pretending to so that she can control him. Mm-hmm. She is all about saying anything and, uh, and everything to anyone so that she can keep them on the board that she wants to play on. I do want to get back to that point about 355 in a sec, because I think it's really important to her plot line in the episode. But just to talk about the Yorick thing a little bit, I think that what you were saying is very clear in the scene where, once again, 355 says, now Yorick, don't go anywhere, don't do anything. Yeah. And he says, okay, and then immediately breaks into a door and goes inside. Yeah, but, a random door. Like, why, random why was he door. like, let me try this door? Yes. It's very, and it happens to be a, a rebel's door. 
Yeah, uh, which, which is, is cool. a, a very silly coincidence, but I think it does show him and teach him that there's bigger stuff going on here about him. There's also the very interesting moment, which would have never happened in the original comic book, where they think he is a trans man. So yeah. he starts to understand, oh, okay, I'm not even the only guy in this world. You know, there are other ways for me to operate, other ways for me to live and be here. But he also understands that people are rebelling against his mom, you know, yeah. which really draws a line there in there are bigger things going on than just him, even though he is the most important man in the world. Uh, yeah, I love the cut from the liar poster on President Brown to Diane Lane as President Brown um, in the scene I think you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, that was cool, showing the implications. But I think you're right, like, Yorick in this show can hide a little bit more easily, as we see in that scene. Uh, but I think this show is also going to be using, there's more like culture and there's more like communication here than there was in the comic. So I think he will become more famous over the, over the course of the season and everyone will eventually know that he's the guy who's the genetic man that everyone is after. Yeah. So I think he's able to hide a little bit longer, but in the end, I think he's going to be just as sought after as he was the minute it happened in the comic. Now, this, I, I don't want to forget this. This is something that really stuck out to me in the drunken conversation between Allison and Yorick. Allison talks about her girlfriend. Her girlfriend, I'm assuming, was a trans woman, right? And that's why she died? Uh, yeah, and I think that sort of gets into this conversation that I thought was really interesting Um even outside the show, just to to hear uh, Doctor Man talk about it, about just the all the diversity there is in genetically defined gender, mm -hmm. which I think is something that we don't talk about a lot. We talk a lot about gender identity and how there's so much diversity there, and you can sort of find your own. But here, to hear the sort of biological side of that as well is such a good point, and it's such a good like way to reinforce like, hey. Our bodies are different and weird, and we don't know what's – everyone's body is its own thing. So, like, pay attention to how that is in, in naturally in the world. Yeah, I think particularly at where, since we're at the midpoint of season one, we both expressed reservation in the first episode about adding in a trans storyline, not because it wasn't important to talk about, but because it's a minefield to potentially navigate in terms of story structure. And I would say, I think they're doing a good job by this point, both yeah. with Sam's story, these notes with Allison exploring it in different ways, this note of uh, we find out testosterone isn't just available from the president of the United States, but actually available <laughs> other places through yeah. York. But in general, I think they are treating it very lightly and treating it the with heaviness where it's necessary. Um, and that's good. Uh, you know, again, I want to caution if there are any trans listeners in the audience uh, for the podcast and we're getting anything wrong or you feel differently, we definitely want to hear from you. Our email yeah. is comicbookclublive at gmail.com. This is two straight white men talking about this. But from my perspective, I think they're doing a good job. How are you feeling about it, Justin? Well, and... 
whether or not they're doing a good job um, for the outside world and viewers to, to watch, I do think they've been able to take something that wasn't in the original source material and weave it effectively into the story in a way that feels very natural and it feels like it's only enhancing Yorick's story. So uh, I do think they're doing a good job of, of avoiding those minds that we had talked about earlier and not getting too preachy or just not giving it enough due. Like they're really just just driving forward with the story in a way that is like sort of honoring everything that's happening in our modern world from my perspective. Speaking of modern world, I do think it's interesting to go back and talk about that liar poster. There's that great moment where I think it's Allison three, five, five and Yorick are all talking about conspiracy theories and they're like, well, she is lying. <laughs> She's lying about Yorick to everybody. Yeah. So they're correct. And it's interesting to, Look at the outside world, these rebels who are saying Jennifer Brown is lying to us. There's some conspiracy here. What's going on? There is actually a conspiracy. And then on the other side, you have the secretary coming back, who is the heir to being the president of the United States, who is like a straight up Sarah Palin, uh, nut job, conspiracy theorist person. To draw that line there between people who are correct about conspiracy theories and people who are over to the top about conspiracy theories, again, a potential minefield in terms of the discussion. But I do think they're very deftly navigating that. Yeah, and I like the 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 way they're covering it because it's like all the conspiracy theorists are like, she knew something, and it, that is wrong. Like, she knows something now. She's concerned with going forward, and her conspiracy is trying to protect uh, the future of the country slash world. And they're all like, you knew. You caused this. And I just feel like that's such a true thing about conspiracy theories and theorists. Like, it's always like something weird happened back then. And I feel like if there's any truth to or things to worry about when it comes to the government or anything, it's like – Pay attention to what's happening. Like, yeah. don't, why are you so worried about all this shit that ha- was so long ago? Like everyone, like the Kennedy assassination is like, I don't know. Well, who, what, are we done with it? Like, it's not like there's more things happening in relation to that. For the most part, and maybe this is me being naive, but for the most part, my position on conspiracy theories is people are too dumb to pull them off. Yes. Just 100%. across the board. And like you're saying – there is this actual thing going on in the world of Why the Last Man where there is a, a two men or two people with Y chromosomes that are still alive, a man and a monkey. And that is the thing that everybody probably should know and should be out there. But that's the actual conspiracy. But generally with conspiracy theories, people will look at like A and M and be like, oh, shit, it's Z. You know, and there's just mm. there's too many logical leaps there when you already have evidence of things that are wrong that you should be focusing on, like you're saying. Uh, and to, talking about your uh, the the secretary, Regina, who is um, sort of the heir apparent to the presidency, um, I she's you compared her to Sarah Palin, but she's actually a way more effective when it comes mm-hmm. to. Um, making choices and maybe governing and at least plotting. Like, it was stressful. Like, her arrival, I thought, was a cool, dramatic, tense scene. And actually, I feel like she is much more uh, diabolical and ready to make moves than President Brown is. Um, mm-hmm. I, Her and Kimber having their meeting, they're immediately plotting. They're immediately like, how can we take this over? There's a the line, this is a Rachel Maddow fever dream. Like, they're not pulling any political punches on this show. And I think this show takes our politics, heightens it in a way that is stressful to me as someone who watches politics and watches this show. Well, this comes down to the 
I mean, not to get too into it, but the everyday divide between liberals and conservatives, right? That liberals have these big ideas and then say, well, we should all work together and figure them out. And conservatives will have their ideas and be like, great, we're going to do this. We're doing this. We're not listening to you. We're doing this. Liberals are like, okay, okay, let's talk about it. And they're like, well, we already did it. We did it. Like (laughs) 15 minutes ago. So it's done. And okay. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's exactly what's happening here with this Regina character, like you're saying, is Kimber had no power. She was just there. She lost everything. She's wandering around. She's trying to consolidate things, but she doesn't have the power to do it. So Jennifer Brown could kind of push her off versus Regina does actually have the power if she wants to take it, which clearly she does, and is pushing back on it. There's that, I, I thought, great dig at the end of the seed where she basically turns Jennifer Brown into her secretary and yeah. is like, hey, could you get me some food or whatever she says there? And she immediately puts her in a subordinate position with that one simple touch. Um, yeah, it's uh, using yeah. power as opposed to discussing power. And I think it's a, it's an interesting, like you're saying, it's a great comment on how liberals and conservatives in our world move and to use it here in such a, an effective way. Like it is, it's a comment on our culture without having to be explicitly about issues that are happening around us. Oh, I did want to bring up something while we're talking about Kimber. This was a interview, and I, I forget where it was from, with Amber Tamblin, where she talked about her inspiration for the character. And she said it was a mix of Megan McCain, which we pretty obviously we called out. She literally is like, you were on The View. And I was like, come on, too direct <laughs> here, guys. Uh, Megan McCain and The Joker. Wow. Uh, yeah. I smell a Halloween costume. <laughs> I think so. I don't know how the Joker necessarily plays it there, but Megan McCain, I definitely see. I, I think she's going to do stand-up comedy for the next uh, couple episodes. Just oh, you a think great, so? Or she'll open it. She'll, she'll open it Seinfeld style with just like. So uh, here's the thing with <laughs> <laughs> when you bring me out, can you introduce me as Kimber? <laughs> I like it. Thanks. Uh, so we got the Washington stuff. I also thought. Another interesting part, just to kind of wrap up that section there, is finding out that Jennifer is entirely not in control of 355 either, because there was the suspicion that maybe she was in on it to take down these helicopter pilots. But no, it's pretty clear 355 went rogue, did what she thought she had to do. And even if she's saying she works for the president, she's kind of working for herself at this point. Yeah, and those scenes where she had to sort of play dumb, where uh, President Brown had to play dumb about the helicopters going down, and she's just, like, so upset. Um, at the same time, she's like, ah, it seems like a helicopter accident, not my thing. I thought we were great. And just, like, you know, it, dovetailing off the liar, President Brown's a liar thing, like, she is lying here, but she's doing it from a good place and a place where she's like, my son is died and I can't react at all here. I thought that was really cool. Um, and also showed that she she can't even do anything to help this mm-hmm. situation or find out about it. She's too busy dealing with this political intrigue, and she can't even track down her son, who has uh, who she has no idea if he's alive or dead. So I thought this was all really well done. And then we got to talk about um, her assistant, who is there, the only person that knows what's up with her. And this great scene with her and Kimber, and she thinks she's having a miscarriage, and she goes to a doctor, all kept super secret. There's a secret between the assistant and Kimber, giving Kimber a little bit more power against President Brown and revealed that she's pregnant and doesn't know if it's a boy or a girl. 
which I thought was all just great little mini story in this that like the miscarriage, the emotional beat of that into this very real plot thing of like, maybe this is a new child, new boy. Well, and it turns out to be a girl. So we don't have to worry about the baby suddenly dying or anything like that. But what I got out of this storyline was some sympathy for Kimber, I think, because her reaction to this she may use this as a political leverage down the road, potentially. You know, there's every possibility of that. But what I got from these scenes was honest, oh, I love babies. <laughs> I love children. Yeah, I want to no protect. doubt she loves babies. Yeah, I want to protect this mom. I want to protect this baby. I want this to go smoothly. And, you know, whatever conservative politics you potentially want to go into there that I don't think they necessarily broach at this point and maybe later, I do think – that felt like an honest reaction there. And I do wonder if that'll point to Kimber potentially even breaking with Regina at some point down the road. Well, and it points to something I think we've talked about a fair amount that like these characters are people. They're not just Mm -hmm. their political flag and um, good, bad. I think this is a good time to maybe talk about 355 in relation to this as well. But all these characters are capable of very good and very bad. And uh, this episode, Kimber plotting against President Brown immediately without any thought to the implications of that, just because it's a person from her quote-unquote side arrives at the White House. On the other side, um, she's taking care of this person that just needs help. Um, And uh, I thought even beyond her sort of like her purse full of baby items, and that's clearly something she's struggling with, she did seem like she just cared about her in in a difficult spot. Yeah. So good stuff over there. Let's move back to the 355 part of the show and talk about what's going on with her because we get to see another member of the Culper Ring. We find out, unless I got these details wrong, they have a boss that they both seemingly heavily dislike. Who Or have a weird – sort of a weird relationship with almost yeah. like a maternal uh, relationship. This reminded me of stuff that happens in the Black Widow universe, mm-hmm. both the movie and the, the comic book um, universe. Yeah, and clearly is a woman, otherwise 345 is heading off to kill a dead body, which is not efficient. Not efficient, but also very easy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of times the assassination stuff work I want to get into is like, hey, go make sure this dead guy's dead. I'm now, like, okay. if you... Uh, I'm not familiar. You have a better biology background than I do. If you sure. kill a dead body, it comes back to life, right? Uh, that's right. I think we've talked about this in a lot of our zombie coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, if you bite, if a living human bites a dead body, the um, the zombie becomes a human again. Oh wow! If a dead body bites a human, um, the human becomes a dead body. Right. It's, it's a all, transitive uh, bite. It's all transferred it's through teeth bones. Yeah, exactly. Very effective. I don't know if you know this, but teeth very effective at um, transferring stuff. Like mm-hmm. when you put food in your mouth, if you notice, you use your teeth, and then the food changes into humans. Yeah, tiny humans. (laughs) That's why we're all, my theory, that we're all secretly cannibals. Oh, man. This is great. This is great. Once we've gone from A to M to Z, and I think it all makes sense. Yeah, exactly. The only three letters in the alphabet, in my alphabet. So what do you think is going to happen here with 355 in this plot line, other than there was a very cool fight scene in the middle of the episode? Well, that's what I was like. Maybe that's it. I guess we're meant to learn more, and I think... 355, this is Agent 525. A lot of distance between their numbers, yet they mm-hmm. said they started at the same time. How does the Culper Ring number? Do you get to call your number? Sort of like if you're a, a, a professional athlete with a little bit of heat, you're like, I want to be 525. I want to be 355. 
They're like, the jersey only fits two numbers. See? I don't know. Maybe they have Where large jerseys? jerseys. Yeah. Very Oversized jerseys. Uh, XFL-style <laughs> jerseys. Um, but I don't know I don't know what the point of this was. This was a cool fight scene. It's great to see her in action. Uh, the whole thing points, though, to a, a larger thing that I was thinking about watching this episode. In the comic, 355 is, you know, she's harsh and hard, but she's also, like, you sort of are with her the whole time. She's like, good. She's doing the right thing most of the time, even if she goes too far or is lying to everyone. In the show, she is a little bit more of a threat. She's mm-hmm. a liar that you can't get in her head. President Brown is like, who is she? Whoa, whoa I messed up and when it comes to giving Yorick to her. And she is seemingly guiding Yorick and Dr. Man at the end of the episode to her own purpose, like with mm-hmm. no regard for what is good for anyone. So... I is she in the show she feels like she's almost like a warlord holding on to power and holding on to York so that she can use that chit to get something she wants. Uh, what do you think? I, I it's just an it's just I don't know. she has that tracker the at the end of the episode which presumably yeah. is the thing that she is using to either find somebody else in the culprit ring or from probably find her boss even I though I boss. think they had the conversation about she turned off her tracker. They can't find her. So potentially she's working her way up there. The question is, is that to kill the boss for whatever reason? Is it to find out what her mission in Washington was? Because we still don't know what that is. That's a dangling plot line that we haven't necessarily wrapped up in any particular way. Um, I, yeah, I don't even know if there's a way of honestly speculating because to your point, we're not in 355's head other than her dream sequence dance and song number from yes. the last episode. We need to get into her dance. Maybe, maybe she wants to put on a show and that's what she's trying to do. Um, yeah. I mean, it's uh, the Tonys uh, having just occurred. I think everybody wants to put on a show. And hopefully <laughs> Broadway's back, get... baby. Broadway's back. Broadway's baby. back. Hashtag Broadway's back. Uh, I do think um, maybe the biggest piece of information from this whole sequence with 355 is that Agent 525 was also tasked with going to Washington right at the same time that um, the the plague hit. So it makes me feel like the implication is that the Culper Ring knew that it was coming. Mm-hmm. And that may be what is driving – if you want to look at 355 as someone who is a hero and is trying to do the right thing, she smells a rat with the Culper Ring and is like, I need to track this down. I need to get higher up in the Culper Ring to find out if they knew and if they – cause this or what the deal is because the fact that she was moved there to be by the president seemingly if they knew that everyone was going to die and knew that someone in that room was going to become the leader of america after the plague having 355 there is important Mm -hmm. yeah and it's it has to tie in in some way i think if it turns out at the end of the day that there was some other conspiracy thing that they were taking down Probably there's a good chance at least 50% of the people involved are dead at this point. So having a thing where 355 tracks down her boss and the boss says, yeah, yeah, this is what the conspiracy was, doesn't matter anymore, is a very bad result. So to the point that you're saying, it has to tie into the plague in some way. We just don't know how yet. Yeah. Um, But maybe uh, we've only met two agents so far and their boss, who's also a woman, they're all women. So there's maybe something there. Maybe not. Yeah. We'll see. Any other moments from the episode you wanted to call out before we start to wrap up here? Um, well, uh, Agent Man likes to drink out of a big cup. 
appreciate mm-hmm. that. Loves a strong Chardonnay. Um, big revelation that um, male genes start to degrade starting at 40. Obviously not a concern for us. Uh, not here. We're podcast, teens. We're future, cool teens. Future us is in mm-hmm. big trouble. Um, and um, that's it. I think uh, the opening yeah. sequence, oh, was at Boston's Fenway Park, and I believe that's just how it looks. That, that was not no future casting them. Yeah, exactly. They just filled that vibe. The uh, uh, the only other actually thing that I wanted to mention was continuing on the clothes beat. There was a really nice note that Jennifer started getting dressed in nicer, cleaner clothes once Regina showed up. Everybody's been wearing comfortable clothes in the Situation Room ostensibly because they don't even have time to do anything else. But also, why get dressed up at this point? Why, why the dress? Why the dressed up. man? Yeah, but. <laughs> That she does want to get dressed up for Regina, I thought was an interesting, very subtle note that uh, that was well done. I like that. Well, once you once you have sort of conflict, you need to start to have some wins. Mm-hmm. And if you look better than your opponent, like when I meet you to do this podcast, that's an instant win. What? Whoa, <laughs> dude! I put on a shirt with three buttons. That is uh, beautiful. And honestly, I feel overdressed in this um, this turtleneck. And a cowboy hat that I thought was getting dressed up. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I have glasses on, so my eyes are much better dressed than your eyes at this point. Yes, but you can't see anything more than two feet in front of you. So Who said that. <laughs> <laughs> Before we wrap up here, who's the man in this episode? Who's the man, Justin? Uh, hoof. Um, every episode, I feel like they do a great job of balancing the characters um, super well. Um, but in this episode, I want to give it up to our brand new character, Dr. Man, uh, is the man with an extra N, a great breath of fresh air when it comes to the York 355 dynamic. I'm very psyched that she's going to be, um, I'm making an assumption here, going to be riding along on this journey as they head out west to San Francisco to get a little bit of that rice on a trolley, which are no doubt still working. That's what, that's going to turn out to be Allison Mann's real motivation. She's like, oh yeah, I got a lab in San Francisco, but she just wants that rice aroni. It's the San Francisco treat. You can't get it anywhere else famously. Nope. Uh, it's just rice, the- real quick, I haven't had rice aroni. It's just rice and pepperoni, right? <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> they only serve it at the Ghirardelli Chocolate Factory, another thing that you can only get in San Francisco. Oh, good. Quick Googling you just did there. Are you just sort of a San Fran chocolate? I'm, I'm kind of a San Fran head. Nice. Yeah, trolley. How did I say rice, rice and pepperoni? I'm gonna give it a shot. Yeah, they serve it at uh, Alcatraz, right? <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. Real quick, what do you have a Fodor's almanac in front of you? Yes, absolutely. I'm gonna give it up for Jennifer in this episode. I thought the emotional work that Diane Lane did was really good. Like you were pointing out throughout the scenes, um, you know. You're going to get Diane Lane in the show. You're going to get some real good content is what I'm talking about. She had a lot of time to work on this role since she's been in every iteration of this show over the years and years of its development. And she I started think as a cool teen and now she's uh, she's on the show. That's pretty cool. If you'd like to support our show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We'd love to ch- chat with you about Why the Last Man. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, why the cast, man? Why the cast, man? <laughs> <laughs>